Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. And welcome to episode 138 of Geek Town Radio. We're back this week with... Matt! Hi David, how are you? Alright, how are you? Not bad, yeah. Not bad. Good, good, good. Um, yes, we're back to a normal show this week after all the uh, fun of the Geek Town Awards last week, uh, which are launched and run till the end of December. So go and uh, go and get involved. It's uh, geektown.go.uk forward slash awards to get in that. And you can enter the... <laughs> I made that jingle. I'm going to get some use out of it. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. So, what have you been up to? Quite a bit of stuff, actually. I want to start off with something that's a little bit funny. You know, uh, Blind Spot, the third season that just came back. Yes. Well, I remember, I don't remember which month this happened in, um, but I remember having three episodes left of season two. I'd watched half of the first of those episodes. So, I think it was episodes 21, 22, and 23, or whichever ones they were. Yeah. I'd watched half of it and I just I kept seeing it on my LTV list right and just kept not getting around to it and I came to a realisation like okay I, I'm clearly not going to get around to watching all this show so what I did was sort of watch the end part of the second season and then thought okay I still want to see something to do with this show I still want to like keep up with it in some way yeah so what I decided to do is watch the and this is this is currently working so um, I'm going to c- continue to do it I am watching the uh, cold opens for each episode so until it comes up with the title sequence right then on the YouTube channel they have like the highlights for the episodes and they're about two to five minutes depending on what, what they have in there <laughs> yeah and then what I do is I fast forward to like the last two minutes so I get like, the, the cliffhanger for the episode <laughs> and then so I've been doing that for the first three episodes and I'm still getting the basic gist of the story I'm just not getting like the, the middle parts and that right. um, which I, I've heard people doing similar things like I've heard people following shows just by reading off of Wikipedia and yeah. stuff like that which is a bit different because you don't really get to see it Yeah. but the funny thing is is the season 3 premiere so the episode that I decided to start on this with is called Back to the Grind <laughs> so it's like get back to watching all of this all of the show so uh, yeah. I thought that was that was kind of weird for the first episode to be called that like it starts up again it's Back to the Grind <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. Good yeah. idea. Yeah. In terms of my list of things I've been doing, so I, I finished it a little while ago actually, but I played Assassin's Creed Origins. Oh yeah. Um, as you saw that, I put it second in my in my Geek Town voting. It's it's really quite fun. The plot does take a little while to kick in, but once it does kick in, it really does like hit you in the face kind of thing. Oh good. Um, it's just it's I I found this problem when I got to um near the end of the game where the last level requires you to be about level 35 to be able to like realistically tackle it you can still enter the level but right. it would be harder the lower level you are basically and then I got to this point where I was like grinding for two or three days doing loads of side quests and stuff and thinking how, how do I get this ranking up but I got to this point where I hit level 28 and then one of the missions was level 30 and then I bumped into this part in the game where the main story missions were then giving me enough XP. I guess it's because they were like the end game missions and they gave you a bit more because they were yeah. much harder. Um, but that ended up allowing me to sort of carry myself through the rest of the game. Um, so it's it's very fun in the combats, like completely different to the old games. Um, and it's a, it's almost like a silent reboot because Ubisoft hadn't really said this as a reboot, but it's called Origins and yeah. you basically start as like completely new characters that have like no relationship to to previous uh storylines right okay um which to be fair they'd really mucked up um <laughs> they, they i wouldn't give any spoilers because yeah. they're quite big ones but there were a few things they did to mess up the story for some reason and then the game kind of just went in this weird phase and then they had like syndicate and stuff which that didn't really tie into the main story as such and then they just they took the uh they took last year off 2016 and they came back this year with origins so they had they said okay we're going to come up with a new combat and uh, new characters and we're going to move to e move the game to Egypt and stuff yeah. like the setting to Egypt and it worked pretty well so I'm I'm hoping that they continue with the characters of, of this game and sort of make a couple of sequels because they did do that they had um, Ezio and Altair who were like the main protagonists yeah um, and they were actually like in the same bloodline so they kind of were related to each other in some ways um, right. that worked quite well I just hope they can kind of get that back with the new characters that they've got yeah uh, so i think that, that should be quite good uh, i hope they do that anyway so we, we'll have to wait and see so i finished that and then i moved on to um lego marvel superiors 2 which i got on friday right and i've got i've got it in the nintendo switch so i can like take it with me and and whatnot oh, cool. yeah the, the cool thing is with the switch as well is like you can play some games just with like one joy con so it's almost like you can play a game with half of a controller right <laughs> it, it, it's pretty cool uh, there's a lot of games you can do that with and it, it, it's pretty cool they like managed to do that because I can't think of any other consoles where you can have half the controller no, and no. still play like play the whole game so that's been really good as well um, I've been watching a lot of Jack Whitehall stuff there's three of his stand-up com comedy things on, on Netflix um, two of them are some of the older ones that he did and this new one is a Netflix exclusive oh yeah so I went and watched all those because I, I think I said before that I watched the travels with his father thing that, yes that, that, yeah. that was quite good as well funnily enough like there's certain jokes that he makes about his mum and his dad and in that exact stand-up his mum and his dad are in the audience <laughs> and he's telling like these really out there sort of like sex jokes and stuff like that that to do with his parents I'm sure and, his parents are used to it by now <laughs> yeah yeah if you if you watch the travels with Jack Whitehall you'll get a bit more of who his father is and how he sort of feels yeah, about Jack. they are funny so that's been pretty funny as well um yes 
And the other thing that I watched with Jack Whitehall going, continuing with his stuff, Bad Education, which he was, he did yes. the course seasons of, yeah. where he plays as a, um, where he gets from the title, a pretty bad teacher. Yeah. Uh, there's like this scene where he tries to set his kids up with exams and he comes up with all these different elaborate ways for them to cheat because he hasn't taught them the things they need to know <laughs> for the exam. But some of the stuff that happens in the show, you're just like, he, they, you know when a character just continues to say stuff and just digs himself in a hole? More yes, more. yes. It's, it He's very to, good at that sort of comedy. Yeah. It's also got uh, I'm not, I can't remember the actor's name, but you know the guy who played Gavin from uh, Gavin and Stacey. Oh right, yes, yeah. He's a head teacher, but a much different character yeah. to Gavin. It's it's funny because he's like even worse at the bad That's stuff right. that they give. In, but Jack, like Jack Whitehall's character, um, I think his name's Alfie. He gets like roped into it, so it like adds on to it, and makes the situation even worse. Yeah. So I've got one more episode left of of that, which is is quite sad because I've really started to get into it. But uh, that's what happens when you binge watch <laughs> yeah, a series. Yes. Yes. And then there's the the film, which they I guess concluded with because that's like the most recent yeah. release of it. So I'm looking forward to watching that. I'm guessing that's just going to be like one long episode kind of thing, I, a little bit like I would think so. Yes. Yeah, a little bit like the in between film probably yeah. um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that although I'll be sad when it's finished so uh, watch The Punisher which I, I did a review of yes um, awesome awesome series I've thoroughly enjoyed it excellent series yeah would you say like John's got some of the best acting this year like maybe probably like top five uh, yeah I mean I thought uh, John was really good in that lead role I think the series as a whole has been one of the strongest of the Marvel Netflix series mm-hmm. actually I think it, it's a really strong series on its own it's yeah. not it, overly it superhero as well because he's like not really included in, in the Defenders yeah and I mean it, yeah. it's it's sort of the start of of their phase two I guess of the sort of Marvel Netflix phase two. It's really quite strong, that show. Uh, it's not very superhero-y I mean if you if for some reason you're not a fan of superhero shows don't worry about it because that one really really isn't more like an army PTSD post-war yeah. with flashbacks type show yes, that happens it is. to evolve the Punisher yeah uh, but no, that was absolutely fantastic the first season I hope they include him in Defender season 2 maybe in some way like this is I'm his kind sure, of I'm sure I'm sure he'll pop up somewhere else yeah I'm, yeah I'm sure he will pop up somewhere else along the way I think that would be quite interesting. I'm really looking forward to like everything he does in the future because I enjoyed him since The Walking Dead as well, but he yeah. sort of trailed off a bit. He did like, I think, Mob City, which was a short-lived show. And then uh, I think he was in like Baby Driver, which I haven't seen. No, um, I do want to see that, but I haven't seen that yet. I think that's got him in it. Because I, I, I like, look, looked him up on Wikipedia just to see what he's been doing since Walking Dead. Yeah. Um, and that was one of the things listed. Cool. Uh, and the last thing I have, which I haven't watched much of, but I... I'm kind of interested in it. Uh, Ozark, I, st- I started watching. Oh, I watched yeah. the first two episodes. I love um, that series. And I, I remember when it first came out and it was like, oh, this is new Breaking Bad. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to take that. I'm not yeah, going to rely don't on take that, that literally. Because yeah. in terms of plot and stuff, it's very, very, very similar, but it's not, not quite as good, I, I wouldn't say. No, um, but I, I, still, I, I still do think it's quite good. Yeah. Um, but it sort of lives in its in its own sort of thing. Yeah. I, think, uh, I think comparing anything to Breaking Breaking Bad is very unfair on whatever you're comparing because mm-hmm. I mean nothing is going to be quite as good as Breaking Bad. I don't think it was yeah. so well put together that show. I think mm-hmm. it is really good, and I can see why people making the make the comparisons. And it's coming back for a second season, but I, I think it's a really really solid show. That I did like uh, Jason Bateman as well. I've not seen yeah. him in him in much apart from was it The Happening that he did? Oh, he did one of them, didn't he? Yes. 
Yeah. I can't remember which film one, about but... like the wind that infected people whatever and made them kill people and, yeah. and stuff. Which a lot yeah. of people didn't. A lot of people thought it was terrible, but I, I, I kind of enjoyed it. So. Yeah. No, I don't actually have a whole lot really. I mean, there's in terms of gaming release, I'm I'm back playing Civilization Six, and I love those sort of games, and that will keep me going for months. So, <laughs> so back on that. There is a new expansion coming for out for that in February, so I'm sort yeah. of preparing myself. TV-wise, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is a, a um, Amazon series, it's from the same writers of the Gilmore Girls. It's very much got... Uh, the, I mean, the storyline's completely different from something like the Gilmore Girls. It's, it's about a, a housewife in the 1950s who finds herself becoming a stand-up comedian. Oh, cool. It's written by the, by the people of the Gilmore Girls. If you like the Gilmore Girls, this is definitely a show to go and watch because it feels feels very similar the dialogues that same sort of like snappy dialogue to it it's incredibly funny and brilliantly written um it's only eight episodes for the first season but i thoroughly Hmm. enjoyed it i would wholeheartedly recommend that if you were if you haven't seen it yet cool I know someone who likes the Gilmore Girls, so I'll, I'll recommend yeah, this to them. Yeah, uh, called Marvel- the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. That's called, but it's on yeah. Am- it's on Amazon Prime to go and look that up. It's really good. There's uh, the Big Sick, which I watched as well. Which it's written by uh, Kumal uh, Najani, who is the uh, the one of the guys from Silicon Valley. Uh, you're, and he's been in various other things, but you'll know him from Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was actually written with his wife, Emily. And oh, cool. it actually tells the story of, it's a version of a real life event, which actually happened to them, which is uh, during their first year of dating, in that um, Emily basically uh, thought that she she had some cold-like symptoms, had some odd body aches, so went to the hospital to get checked out, thought she'd be a few hours ends up getting put in a medically induced coma because it turns out it's something quite a lot more serious and it's this virus that she's attacking her so she ends up calling kamal this is basically the first time that uh, certainly in the film it's the first time that uh, kamal meets emily's parents and it's sort of the you know you see the the relationship start and uh, you know he as he is in real life he's, he's a comedian he's doing stand-up circuit and you see this relationship start and they meet at this comedy club and then you know this incident happens and it's sort of about the relationship between him and her parents that sort of grows in the month or so she's in this coma so um, it's it's a really it's incredibly funny it's a really really sweet story and this sort of it's got this cross-cultural love thing going on as well because uh kamala's family are uh, muslim and they're sort of trying to see some mothers sort of trying to set him up with an arranged marriage so it's it's this really interesting kind of look at his sort of life and things that you know i mean obviously they've altered it in some way to make the laughs bigger and uh, Mm -hmm. all that sort of thing but the basic story is a genuine real life event that happened to them but it's brilliant really really funny and sort of very sweet and certainly if you're looking for a movie to sit down and watch as a couple one evening uh, i would highly recommend the big sick because it's definitely a movie that, you, that i think both you and your partner will probably enjoy but it's uh it thoroughly de- recommend it it is available now on amazon uh for digital download you can go on and buy it on amazon it's also on blu-ray and dvd as well there was a few other little bits and pieces did you see that um first look at brendan thwaites as robin on the yeah. titan yeah, series I thought that looked really cool 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. it looks looks really, really good. I just, I did look at it and, th- and, and think it looks like some really, really well done cosplay. Because <laughs> you sort of, I mean, I, I don't know why why that's the first, I, th- I think it's because you see, you do see quite a number of people doing Batman and Robin cosplays when you're at, uh-huh. at the comic cons. And uh, there's nothing against the woman that, that designed it. You know, she did a fantastic job. It's a really good looking yeah. uh, costume. It's, I mean, oh, uh, they, they've done the thing that they always do which is they've used tim drake's robin costume rather than dick grayson's robin costume because okay. having somebody running around in we're essentially green hot pants and tights i don't think would work in this day and age so <laughs> so it's sort of understandable that that's why they've gone for that version but uh, yeah but yeah I, I i think she's done a really nice job on it the uh, the costume designer so i'm very much looking forward to titans coming out it should be a really fabulous series yeah it'd be good when we get some more information and a name and stuff like that for the for whatever the service is, uh, yes. Um, I just yeah. hope that I just hope that we don't get any kind of UK delay because you've got well, you've got whatever this DC thing is that's happening, and you've also got Disney's mysterious uh, streaming service as well, which yeah. doesn't have any yeah. any information. Yeah, both DC and Disney have both got mysterious streaming services coming out, but we still don't know whether they're going to be worldwide streaming services or whether they're going to be USA only streaming services. Yeah, which is slightly infuriating. So um, hopefully we'll get some more information on those soon. But everything I've seen so far from from Titans, the casting and stuff has has got yeah. me interested. So yeah, no, the casting uh, looks about, really. It's good. about time we have like a current day Bat Family member on on a screen. Yeah, like in TV and stuff. Yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to that because I mean the closest we've got is having Huntress show up in what season one of Arrow. I think I, we haven't had a Bat member show up, a Bat team member show up at all on screen since like Batman sixty six. So mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to that. Uh, oh, there was a Birds of Prey series. I just tell a lie. There was a Birds of Prey series. But which I don't think ever made it over here, but uh, but yeah. So I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to hopefully seeing that in a timely fashion if they can uh, get themselves together. Just the couple of other things. The uh, there are obviously two competitions running on the site, the Geek Town Awards at the moment. There's also a competition running till the end of this week, uh, so eighth of December, for uh, to win copies of Asterix and the Chariot Race. I don't know whether you've ever read an Asterix book, but they are very funny. Mm-hmm. My dad used to read me to them when I was a kid, and they're uh, they're basically cartoon annuals. They're, it's a very very famous French cartoon, uh, okay. but uh, the English translations of the original French version. But they're they're really funny and uh, well worth getting hold of. Uh, there's a and there's a, got a new one in the shops at the moment, but we've got like ten copies of it to give away. So uh, if you go into the competitions tab on the website, mm. you'll find that. So with all that stuff out the way, let's move on to some TV and film news. Kick off the TV and film news this week with the air date update. Uh, we've got quite a lot of stuff actually in terms of pickups and renewals and all that sort of stuff. If we start off with renewals, uh, these are all Netflix related, actually. I just realized, but um, yeah, yeah, Netflix are renewed uh, Mindhunter which I'm really glad of because the season one of that was superb. Uh, Mindhunter will be back for a second season. And considering he basically teased the second season pretty much throughout the entire first series, which is kind of a ballsy move, you know, if Mm. you don't know you're going to get picked up again. But uh, yeah, they pretty much teased the second season throughout the first. And uh, I'm 
So I'm really looking forward to that back. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. Stranger Things, as if as if it wasn't going to, but uh, Stranger <laughs> Things has been renewed yeah. for a third season. That, we kind of knew that it would do, but uh, that's like, officially that's that. in the list of TV shows where, like, you know, it's coming back. It just hasn't been made official yet. Or, yeah. uh, along the lines of like Walking Dead, basically. Yeah, um, pretty, pretty much, yeah. pretty much. Um, so that's officially going back. The Good Place has been renewed for a third season, which I'm really happy about because that's one of the funniest comedies I've seen in years. So I'm very, very happy to see that come back. And that airs on Netflix over here first two seasons. Are on the, well, mm-hmm. season and a half, I guess, because we're halfway through the second season. So uh, those are on, on uh, Netflix over here. And they've just announced today Shooter has been renewed for a third season which is really good news if you're a fan of that show because that was a bit touch and go about whether that was going to come back and uh, they've decided to definitely make it come back. So those renewals, pickups and air dates. One thing I wanted to mention, which just in case any of you didn't catch it on the website, the entirety of Dawson's Creek is now being available on uh, all four. So if you fancy some 90s nostalgia uh, and you <laughs> want to go watch Dawson's Creek, that is all on all four for you. We've got uh, Feud Betty and Joan, which is coming to BBC Two, finally. This is the Ryan Murphy series. That's coming on the 16th of December at 9pm. Uh, we've been waiting to see that feud series. The uh, it's gonna, that's going to be quite good, but uh, it's be interesting to see how the next one goes down because that's apparently between Charles and Diana. <laughs> so if that drops about the right t- same time as the royal wedding, I'm not sure that's going to go down well over here. <laughs> but we'll see. Yeah. Um, they've announced uh, those League of Gentlemen specials which we mentioned a few weeks ago they are coming on the 18th 19th and 20th of December on BBC2 as well they'll be worth looking out for Netflix have also set a premiere date for Travellers Season 2 did you ever watch Travellers Season 1? no I I haven't seen it that's one for you to go and watch it's on Netflix it's a really really good uh, sci-fi series well worth going to watch that yeah I think that was one that I had looked at but just haven't watched it so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's coming on Boxing Day, which is an interesting time to launch show, but that's when they're mm. landing it. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, Netflix doesn't doesn't mind they're just <laughs> releasing stuff all the time. Well, so. well yeah, that, that's yeah. the case. And, I mean, it makes sense actually because everybody's yeah, no, done with thing. it's. Yeah. It's actually quite a good time to do it because everybody's done with Christmas. You want sort of to put it up, you know, yeah. for people that are are surfing around for things to do on Boxing Day. That's actually quite a good time to release it. Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency season two of that coming on fifth of. January to Netflix. NCIS and Bull have announced return dates for NCIS season 15. It's coming Friday the 5th of January and then Bull starting on the 12th of January a week later. NCIS at 9pm, Bull at 10pm. They also announced all episodes of Britannia will be available on the 18th of January. This is this big, epic new kind of show which is kind of hopefully filling a bit of a Game of Thrones gap for some people. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's coming on the 18th of January on uh, Sky Atlantic and now TV but it sounds like they're going to air it do what they did with something like Tin Star and they'll air it weekly but they're dropping the whole lot onto uh, the catch-up service at the same time yeah so otherwise some people just might never find it yeah so uh, yeah. so they're, they're going to drop everything onto on demand for that all episodes of it I don't know how many episodes that is but they're dropping I think it's 8 or 10 but they're dropping that all on there that looks like it could be really good the recent trailer for that I think was less it looked a bit kind of serious and you know mystical before and the most recent trailer actually had some humour in it so I'm I am quite oh. looking forward to that it's got it looks like it could be quite a nice mix but uh, could be a, a, a good 
Game of Thrones stand-in, possibly, maybe. The final mm-hmm. season of The Bridge is coming to BBC Two next year. We haven't got an exact date for that yet, uh, but uh, that's BBC Two, not BBC Four. Sky has picked up Seal Team, which is the David Baranis series, and Alan Cummings' show Instinct, both for next year. We don't know when they're coming, but I suspect Seal Team will come first because Instinct hasn't aired in the US at all yet, whereas Seal Team has. So I suspect we may see Seal Team in January. Instinct will be later in the year, I would have thought. In terms of other shows, there was a couple of other things that have been announced today, actually. Uh, Will and Grace coming to Channel 5 in January, which I know a lot of people are being asked about, so I think that's quite good news, although we have getting getting a lot of complaints about the fact that it's coming to Channel 5. So Yeah, I remember seeing the same thing about uh, that, that woman's show, the, the woman that tweeted about her show, and she said that she was in between yeah, yes. certain airings mini, or whatever. Mini, yeah, yeah. Mini, mini Driver so. complaining about it, the, her show mm-hmm. being uh, stuck between episodes of... Uh, <laughs> um, of Celebrity Big Brother, which ironically, Will and Grace will be wedged in between episodes of Celebrity Big Brother, apparently, because if it's coming in January, that's where it'll sit. So, um, yes, Will and Grace coming to Channel 5 in January. Altered Carbon, which if you've not watched the trailer for this, go onto the website, watch the trailer. Uh, coming to Netflix 2nd of February, it's a awesome-looking uh, sort of cyberpunk, kind of Blade runner cyberpunk feel show. It's based on a a novel by Richard Morgan, uh, who we interviewed a couple of years ago now uh, about the book. And um, it looks absolutely superb. It's got uh, Joel Kinnaman in as the lead role. James Herfroy is is playing one of the other characters as well. Just go and have a look at the trailer. It's immense. And uh, I'm really, really looking forward to that series. But that's coming up to Netflix on the 2nd of February. Yeah, so I saw us get posted today. I just didn't quite watch it. <laughs> yes. So, so. Uh, but go, go and watch the trailer for that. Yeah. It looks fantastic. Lastly, we've got Netflix are resuming production on House of Cards Season 6, they have just announced, because obviously everything was shut down with all the Kevin Spacey stuff. They've now said that they are bringing it back, so it's going to have its sixth and final season. I suspect they're going to start it from scratch and ignore anything they may have already shot, but uh, it's going to have Robin Wright as uh, Claire in the lead as the president, which sort of follows on quite nicely from Season 5 anyway. So she's going to be playing president and presumably Frank is going to get killed off off screen somewhere. So, so we were talking before we came on air about, you know, dropping a piano on him or finding some really, <laughs> finding some really, yeah. really inventive way of getting rid of him, you know, mm-hmm. that's highly embarrassing does, for the he character. Does quite nasty death so, yes he does uh, he does so uh, we'll mm. we'll see what happens what about that? if they had a scene like uh, he's in a car for some reason and you just see the car get blown up or shot out or yeah yeah you could see like see the, somebody dressed as Kevin Spacey walking towards the car and the car blows up maybe yeah mm. I almost would like to see like sort of some sort of ridiculous comedy death for him just just, just for the, steps yeah, like yeah you know but we'll see yeah. we'll see what they do anyway i'm glad that they are going through these lengths to like finish off the show because yeah um i would like them to finish it at least so yes it would um, would be like nice to them to actually be able to finish the entire story so yes i'm looking forward to that as well moving on to bigger days we're back with netflix again this time they've 
picked up the Riverdale spin-offs, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, or whatever it's going to be called. It's it's currently being touted as the Untitled Sabrina series. <laughs> so, um, but it is based on the Sabrina the Teenage Witch character. What's interesting about this is that it was originally put in production for CW as a companion show to Riverdale, which makes sense. Because if you've been watching Riverdale recently, we start to seeing, is it Greendale, the, the town over? I think so. I'm a little bit behind on, on the show, but I think we, that's where it's at. We yeah. Are, yeah, I mean, it's been referenced, it was referenced in the very first episode because it's where the, um, the teacher that Archie had the relationship with had moved to. And yeah. uh, they ref- so they referenced it there. And we've seen them going backwards and forwards to that town a couple of times now. And it does seem to be kind of a bit creepy and mysterious. And they are saying, oh, you don't want to go near that town at night and that sort of thing, so, which is kind of mm-hmm. interesting. They are kind of building that in Riverdale. So they originally were going to have it as a companion series on the CW to run alongside Riverdale. Now, basically, Netflix came along and offered it a 20-episode uh, order, probably split over two 10-episode seasons. Uh, they're one-hour episodes, and it also means for Warner Brothers TV, who are the producers of the show, it means that they don't have to share any of the production profits with CBS, which they do with Riverdale. So, because right. it's part of the okay. whole production deal. So it, it's far more profitable for them to do it that way. It does slightly possibly throw a spanner in the works of any crossovers, though. Not entirely, but possibly. Mm-hmm. Um it is still Belanti Productions making both shows, so it's that it's going to be them in conjunction with WBTV, who are you know. So it's it's exactly the same people behind it. It's just one is going to be running on Netflix and one is going to be running on the CW in the US. So for us, I mean, it would make perfect sense if the characters cross over because they're both on Netflix. But yeah, for the Americans, yeah. it doesn't. What will be interesting is they may decide to do the crossovers anyway because there were a number of people that appear to have caught Riverdale on Netflix in America because it, it goes from the CW onto Netflix a few months later over there. The entire series airs on CW and then it goes onto Netflix. They have a deal with CW for, for a number of their shows. It appears that a lot of people watched the first season sort of over the summer on Netflix and then came back to the CW to watch the second season because the second season number numbers were higher than the first oh, season. Good. There is actually some benefit to them to potentially having some crossover characters possibly there's benefit potentially on both sides of doing that so it's it depends what the rights are going to be like. It's, it's going to be tricky if they're going to be allowed to do it. But as I think we've talked about the show before, it's not going to be the cutesy 90s Melissa Joan Hart TV version. It's going to be a much darker <laughs> version, which is based on the uh, Archie Horror, which is a sort of imprint of uh, of the Archie comic. And uh, it was called The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. So it's, it's much, much darker. It's more <laughs> like sort of Ro- Rosemary's Babies or The Exorcist. It's a dark coming-of-age tale that traffics in horror, the occult, and of course, witchcraft. Sabrina must wrestle to reconcile her dual nature as a half-witch, half-mortal, while fighting evil forces that threaten her and her family. So, um, yeah, I mean, you're talking something that's uh, definitely not kind of light and fluffy there. I think it's... I mean, the other advantage, of course, with it being on Netflix is you can get away with a lot more. Right. Because you're not restricted by Netflix. uh, Network TV. Yeah, the network TV in the US. So, uh, 
So that may be another reason why they decided to go for it, because they don't have to worry too much about censorship, possibly. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know, but uh, interesting, I thought. I'm looking forward to, to at least see what, see what it's like. Um, see how it sort of ties in and stuff because yeah, it, it sounds like it's literally down the road basically um, and it's not like it's, they're not a million miles away from each other because like what you said with the location it's sort of not very far away so uh, yeah, I, I hope something good can uh, can come out of it yeah it, that would be nice I would like to see some sort of crossover with it but um, we'll we'll see whether they come to it I mean they had a similar issue with um, Buffy and Angel actually at one point because they ended up on two separate oh. networks and they did eventually work that out because um, they started on the same network and then Buffy ended up on a different network so we'll see but uh, moving on next big news story we've got George R.R. R. Martin uh, has well there is a new show Hasn't based not finished his book <laughs> <laughs> has, has not finished his book yes it's very true yeah um, but he has well it's to say he has a new show he's wrong it's a new show based on his work there's a novel that he wrote called night flyers and uh sci-fi us are basing a, t- a tv show on that novel it was one that he wrote many moons ago he has no direct involvement in the project himself because he's got an ex- exclusivity deal with hbo he's under an exclusive contract there so he can't actually get too lost in doing anything with that show so it shouldn't distract him from writing the book which he isn't finishing writing yet um, <laughs> so but he did uh, he did post a bit of an update on the his live journal about uh, what was going on with the series the idea of the show is uh, it's set in the future it's on the eve of Earth's destruction a team of scientists and a telepath take a journey aboard the Nightflyer, which is the most advanced ship in the ship in the galaxy to intercept a mysterious alien spacecraft that might hold their key to survival uh, as the crew nears its destination they discover the ship's artificial intelligence along with the reclusive captain maybe steering them into a deadly and unspeakable horrors out in the reaches of space so it's kind of dark horror story thing is is what mm-hmm. the original book was he has said that the pilot script that he read departs considerably from the novella that he wrote in certain detail, but the essence of the story remains the same. My guess is okay. that the horror might get toned down a little bit, possibly. Although, I mean, you've got... I mean, it is sci-fi US, and they are the same people that make The Expanse, so... Yeah, and you know. Z Nation, which has had some yeah, crazy violence. Yeah. So, so maybe not, yeah, maybe yeah. not. Uh, so they may go out or all out and out horror, horror I don't know but he did say I thought the teleplay was quite strong in its own terms and a good launching point for a series it's a 10 episode first season they're shooting in Ireland in Limerick in Ireland which means they can utilise some of the excellent Irish and British a- actors from uh, Game of Thrones he also joked that considering how many characters we've killed off on that show some of them should be available so uh, <laughs> harsh uh, harsh judge yeah. um, you, you make a say you make a new series from a show from characters that you've previously killed off. Yeah, killed off yeah. in your other show. Mind you, yeah. half half the Canadian acting industry seems to be like that. You'll kill, get killed off on one show and you pop up in something else up there. But uh, he's also revealed that the show is has a substantial budget and one that should allow them to create a show that looks as good as modern audiences expect. Good. So, um, it's important. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I think that yeah. that sounds good. It's uh, I mean, it's always great to have new sci-fi on TV, particularly something written by George R. R. Martin and uh, or you know originating from George R. R. Martin. They're all, they're talking about it debuting mm-hmm. in the summer next year, which is quite a quick turnaround, I would have said, for this sort of show. Yeah, it's pretty quick, and unless they've got further than what they've kind of said or whatever. I don't yeah, know. I mean, I I think they they've talked cast or they're talking to some cast, but nobody's been announced yet. Right. So. Um, yeah, and and I mean, like, if it's a, if it's from some sense of source material, whether it's exact or not, you've got that to kind of lean on as well. So that kind of helps with the that script, is true. I would guess. That is true. So, maybe, maybe. So, yeah. uh, so yes, I I think that that sounds quite positive. Uh, hopefully, so uh, hopefully keep an eye out for that late. Well, late June in the US, we'll see when it lands over here. But uh, I suspect it will do. Might be another Netflix series. That I mean, Netflix is, has become a bit kind of essential. The more and more you read at the moment. I did. I did have a, a sort of thing the other day where I went to see what I hadn't seen on Netflix, and I was just there for like twenty minutes. Just like, okay, I had this, I had this. Oh yeah, I heard about this. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just like. Uh, it, it's good in a way, but I thought it leaves you with like, okay, which do which of these will actually start first? Yeah, <laughs> so sometimes there's so. too much on Netflix. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. Uh, but in a good way. So. Yes, but in a good way. So um, last story we've got this week is about American Gods. Brian Fuller really isn't very good at keeping hold of his TV shows. Um, Brian Fuller and Michael Green, who were the showrunners on American Gods, have both now quit. Brian Fuller quit his previous job, which was Star Trek Discovery, to work on American Gods. So um, he's now now quit both of them. There hasn't been an official reason reason given so far, but it was believed to be some sort of bust up with the producers who were at Fremantle Media over the budget and the creative direction of the show. Uh, creative direction was also the reason that he was left or asked to leave Star Trek as well. So yeah, that's that doesn't bode well. I mean, I, I really, really liked American Gods. I thought American Gods was a solid series. I didn't particularly like the way it ended it had a sort of mid-season end it built and built and built mm. and then didn't go anywhere um, yeah the camera literally like went away if i remember yeah. like he had the characters there and then the way it ended was like the camera just like walked away kind of thing yeah and uh, it, it ends it ends with the reveal of who mr wednesday is yeah. except the reveal of who mr wednesday was was pretty much in every single press release up until that point so if you read anything about the show you already knew that so it wasn't like I mean, it would have been great if that had been a big secret and it might have had more impact. But I think everybody knew at that point who Mr. Wednesday was. So, yeah, it was one of those things that, that needed thinking out better. They There had to be something better that they could have ended on for that series. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I thought overall it was a really solid show. I really enjoyed it. They haven't announced a new showrunner yet. There is talk of Neil Gaiman, who is the writer of the original book, maybe stepping in as co-showrunner with somebody else because Gaming is also working on uh, an adaptation of Good Omens for Amazon okay. and the BBC, which is the novel that he wrote with Terry Pratchett. He's got that running as well at the moment, so it would mean trying to juggle both shows so that he would definitely need somebody else working on it with him if that was going to be the case. Brian Fuller himself isn't exactly short of work because he's off to do a reboot of uh, Amazing Stories, which was a show you probably or might not be aware of, which was a... Uh, Steven Spielberg did the original series or was the producer of the original series. And uh, it was a, a, an anthology series, basically, of kind of action stories. But it was quite good fun. And uh, Michael Green is also working on a sequel to the or 
Orient Express, as well as a new Netflix drama called Raising Dion. So, uh, which I think is a comic book adaptation, if I remember correctly. So, so I mean, neither of them are exactly short of other things to do, but it yeah. does it does leave things a bit up in the air for American gods. Part of the argument seems to come down to money because it was coming in at about ten million an episode for season two, and they basically didn't want to fork out quite that much money. Average sort of per episode for a streaming cable show is six to eight million. I mean, okay. that, over the course of 10 episodes you know that's adding a lot to your budget if mm-hmm. you're uh yeah so so I, I sort of get it uh i wonder how it will affect what they've done so far yeah well. i don't know i mean situations i mean you know they, they were talking about it premiering middle of the year but if they're gonna have to go and find these showrunners and if they then need to then reduce the budget that could involve rewrites i would hope that they could keep what they've made so far well i don't and know how then, i don't know whether just... they've i don't know whether they've actually shot anything so far or if they were just oh. in pre-production they may okay. have just been in pre-production so we'll see but one of those things they're they're all looking to kind of you know save some money and You've got to balance it out with, is it worth it compared to the money that they're getting back for it? So, you know, yeah. unfortunately, as you say, this, there is a reason that it's called show business, not show charity. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, you know, money, is, unfortunately, is a, is a fact of, of this industry. Sometimes those, these things happen. So uh, we'll, we'll see. I, I understand Brian Fuller's principles are on it. You know, if he can't make what he wants and he's got other things he can do, then go and do those things. But at some point, he needs to stick with the show. Um, mm, yeah. That's all the news we have for this week. Next up, we have the interview. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The interview this week is with the Blade Runner 2049 makeup artist, Donald Moat. He was head of makeup design for Blade Runner uh, 2049. He's well known for his work on various films, including Spectre, Sicario. He worked on Skyfall, Nocturnal Animals, Nightcrawler, 8 Mile. Uh, There's a whole bunch of other things as well. We talk a bit more about that at the uh, interview. He's also worked as personal makeup artist for Mark Wahlberg and Daniel Craig as well. So we talk a little bit about that. This latest job, which, uh, sorry, is makeup department head for Blade Runner 2049. Uh, it faces the challenges of honouring Ridley Scott's classic while establishing a new visual world. He's also worked on Stronger, which is a movie that may not be as well known over here. It stars Jake Gyllenhaal as Jeff Bauman, who is an ordinary man who captures the hearts of his city and the world when he becomes a symbol of hope after losing both his legs in the uh, 2013 Boston Marathon bombing. So obviously, you know, from a makeup artist's point of view, that's quite a lot going on there as well so uh, he was a lovely lovely guy it was uh, about half hour interview this uh, we'll see you afterwards with some highlights for next week on tv 
Hi, Donald. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's lovely to have you on. You're a makeup artist, and uh, we've, we're on really to talk through various things you've been doing. The two biggest ones <laughs> most recently being Blade Runner uh, 2049 and Stronger. Okay. But your background in movies is fairly enviable list i would say for most people i mean uh sicario nightcrawlers prisoners the fighter eight mile uh spectre skyfall <laughs> plant the apes you were on for a bit uh italian yes. job departed fairly impressive list i think of things you've been working on over the years i've been very lucky you know very um well i don't know luck fortunate you know it just it, uh Luck of the draw sometimes, you know, and, and some choices. Yeah, I always think that um, when it comes to this industry, you have to be talented to be able to do the work, but there is a certain amount of luck in getting the jobs in the first place. Well, I can't remember who said it years ago to me, and I guess I should know it as a quote, something about, you know, sort of the being prepared when the opportunity arrives. And I really do think that's the case. Yeah. Um, of really being ready when it happens. And, and you have to fake it to make it for sure. <laughs> There's a couple of times you really have to step up. And when I look back on a couple of jobs that I, I very likely was not ready for, and you just, you know, you put yourself out there and that's very tough sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. So how did you get into makeup design in the first place? It was very, I think it just happened in the sense that I really loved, when I was a kid, I loved going to films. Right. I love seeing films on television. My dad used to take me a lot. And then I started going to theater a little bit and in school. I, and I think, you know, maybe in, in early parts of high school, I really didn't do well at sort of maths and science. And I ended up in a drama program and somebody had to do the makeup. And I guess I kind of looked at Richard Corson's book and thought, I can do that, <laughs> um, which made me, you know, kind of led into it. I thought of costume and I was very interested in the detailed work in film, particularly of costumes and art direction, makeup. And it just kind of felt like a natural progression for me. Yeah. I mean, earlier on in your career, you were actually personal makeup artists for a number of people. You you personal makeup artists for Mark Wahlberg for a number of movies. Many, many. I think eight. Oh, my gosh. And that was sort of on a dare because I'm so very fond of them. I, it was the the oddest combination. Talk about the odd couple. <laughs> um, that ended up, I think I did 18 or 19 films, quite a few quite by accident, really, when I was starting out. Yeah. And I'm still very fond of Mark. It was maybe mid-90s, so I did work with him for 13, 14 years. Wow. Off and on. Never what I planned to do. You know, <laughs> sort of people laugh at that, but really I've loved the films I've been working on recently. Yeah. Sometimes you get caught up in life or working with other people that are, you're not necessarily following your goals, but other people's. Yeah. You know, and I really felt that that was kind of happening. Yeah. You got to work on, uh, on planet of the apes, the, the, that, uh, Tim Burton version of planet of yes. the apes. We, we actually interviewed Joel Harlow who did some of the ape makeup in that few weeks ago which I, I just I love the fact that that means he gets the credit ape makeup artist no, fantastic. <laughs> isn't it brilliant well you know it was very um, they don't make a film like that anymore and of course working yeah. with Joel I mean I felt like I had the easy job but in a way I didn't because it was sort of the last of a film of that style or genre where people were really in practical makeup yeah and certainly Joel who's I mean, brilliance personified in the uh, 
you know, particularly in the effects specialty prosthetic work he does. Yeah. You know, I think for those guys, it was an incredible experience for us. It was a bit, it was quite funny to be in the middle of all of that, making up, you know, Mark Wahlberg in, <laughs> in the mix, the human, when they called, we were the human makeup artists and they were the eight makeup artists. It was quite funny. <laughs> you also ended up uh, working with Daniel Craig quite a lot on a lot of his yeah. movies, including the two Bond movies. So how did you end up being sort of makeup artist for him? It, you know, uh, again, it happened. I was, I was hired um, on a film by Jim Sheridan as the, you know, makeup designer, chief makeup on a film and I was quite surprised Daniel didn't sort of have someone that came with right and I was very excited to work on the film with Jim Sheridan and Daniel it rang me up and they'd asked for my resume and and it just worked you know it worked really well and I went on to do another film with him and again it wasn't planned we just got on very well and it's a great working relationship yeah and I've done I think four or five films with him now yeah I'm working on the Bond movies it's got to be got to be fun anyway so <laughs> you know they're they're fun I think Skyfall was particularly I mean, what I never realized in the business maybe working in Hollywood gets a little bit false because I never realized how much everybody loved each other on the Bond film right. until Spectre. And it really touched me because you work in a business that's perceived as a little bit shallow. But I think to then go and do a huge film like Spectre or Skyfall, and it's really a family. Yeah. It's genuinely a family of people who really care about one another, even if they don't always get along <laughs> and we squabble. But I do miss everybody. And, and I think that world of Pinewood and in the UK, it is very different and probably healthier for me than a career in Los Angeles. <laughs> right. <laughs> But the movies that you've been working on recently, the big movies, of course, uh, Blade Runner mm. uh, with Denis Villeneuve. Uh, I mean, that that must be an amazing gig to get, right. but also slightly terrifying when somebody says it as well. I, you don't even know where... I mean, I wouldn't know how to begin to say that to anyone other than I was terrified. <laughs> uh, you know, they say I'm quite honest and a very... And I, I truly, truly said it out loud to people. Why on earth am I working on that? <laughs> Um, and I love working with Denis and certainly with Roger Deakins. And we we've worked as a team, you know, on a couple of films. But this was so different. Mm. And I was uh, on a job and I think I rang Denis. We were sending each other reference photos and the things he was looking to discuss in terms of makeup on different characters. And I just had this terrible feeling. Why am I doing this? I'm the wrong guy. I need to tell them. I can't. And, you know, Denis made me feel so at ease I, when I called him up and said, why am I like, I, this is frightening. And he said, we all are. <laughs> and at that point, I, you know, I, I sort of bucked up and, and we proceeded. Yeah. I mean, the original film was made in 1982. Uh, the makeup was done by Marvin Westmore. How were you approaching that? Were you sort of building on on some of the stuff that he did, or were you trying to kind of almost keep away from from his sort of stuff? It's a it's a great question. Do you know? Here's the thing. I've always referenced before I was involved with Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I often referenced the original film and Marvin. I mean, his work is spectacular, and I felt like what 
you know, is it insulting to someone to even try to replicate? I mean, it stood on its own, as I think our film stood on its own. And I, I felt like we sort of paid homage to it with certain characters. But I really felt like we were making another film that would be somewhat different and maybe more based in reality for, for the time now. And I, I did see the film before we started. And of course, it, it lent to my being terrified because he what they did on that film, I don't feel I could ever have done or been in the same room as Mr. Westmore. <laughs> um, so I, I would hate to kind of be, you know, uh, that guy to say, well, it's never good enough. But I really what they did back then was pretty remarkable. Yeah. And I just thought, you know, I'm going to leave that and, and work towards what I have to do. But there are, uh, I think, touches of Rutger Hauer and Harrison Ford and Ryan's makeup. Yeah. There are touches of Daryl Hannah in McKenzie's. So I think we did borrow little bits and respectfully, but I didn't want to plagiarize or do anything of that, if that makes sense. Yeah. That we were on another project many, many years later. Yeah, absolutely. You're shooting quite often when you're doing these sort of things, you, you end up shooting out of sequence. We've talked to makeup artists before, particularly on TV series, where they, they have various ways of keeping track of everything. Uh, we right. talked to the makeup artist on the Defenders Marvel Netflix series, and she's like, sure. she's trying to get things that are in sequence across like five different shows which is unbelievable <laughs> but i mean even on a movie when you're shooting for six months and you're out of sequence how do you keep track of of what goes where well well um i'm not the best most computer literate man <laughs> um i don't keep up to you know i still scribble notes down on sheets of paper print photographs and i'll write little crib notes to myself or for my team you know the the thing that I felt with Blade Runner, because we were so out of sequence, we shot, we, we established Ryan after the fight sequence with Dave Batista, right. which of course we didn't actually film until November, although I had to establish that makeup in June. I take photographs, I make notes, not the most high tech, but I think it does the trick. And I, you know, some of the old school things of writing, if I write it down, I remember. Yeah, that makes and sense. It's just something I learned. My father taught me, he was a school teacher. I really have always found that if I write it down, scribbled on a piece of paper, uh, I build a board next to the makeup station where anything different for any of the characters I have put up on little crib notes to myself. And it's my cheat sheet and the people working with me so that I know in scene 42. But it's not at all high tech. And people are often very underwhelmed by the lack of high tech in, in the trailers I work in. Um, <laughs> But we get it done and I think it works. And quite frankly, I miss Polaroid cameras because we we could yeah. take the images right there. And I'm not embarrassed by it at all. I think continuity, I mean, through the 70s and 80s was was very dependable mm, uh, without having to open a computer. And certainly when you're on set and it did happen one day where I thought, oh, my gosh, second unit of shot this. We haven't. What happens here? I always have a reference point. Uh, I've seen people struggle with the computer or calling someone to open a file up. What did we do? Was the cut on his right or left side and think, oh my God, just write it down. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I do yeah. watch day. I watch the rushes dailies consistently. You know, you pay attention. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, that's quite interesting because, uh, to say, uh, when we spoke to the makeup artist for the uh, Marvel Netflix shows, they they do everything on paper. They have a a paper. I love it. They have a paper chart which has like a mannequin thing on it, which they mark sure. all the things on, and that literally goes from like Daredevil to Iron Fist to the Defenders. To, so it that's how they do it. Sense. I'm relieved to hear that because sometimes I feel that we're in a business of, you know, it really is bells and whistles quite often. Mm. And there's so many products or some, you know, there's something new for everything. And sometimes it just, it worked. It worked before it should work now. Um, yeah. So I'm relieved to hear other people work that way because we don't often get to see how one another do things. And, and I know in television, my gosh, do people work? That's hard, you, you know, to have so many characters cross over. Mm. And certainly Blade Runner over six months, you know, there was a lot to to retain. And, and I guess you've got to be sharp with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. One of the most interesting or sort of creepy slightly effects that was in the movie was uh, Jared Leto and his his eyes. Um, okay. Do you, do you want to just talk a bit about uh, what you, you did with the lenses for that? You know, that was, well, I'd have to preface it with saying the anxiety created for me with that character <laughs> was a tumultuous sort of very emotional experience for me because Jared was, um, I don't want to say he was a last minute casting, but we it was so secretive that we would get word that someone was finally confirmed. Yeah. So it was really twofold because Denis had a couple of different ideas for the character. And one was very different than what was in the final film and what we actually shot. But Jared was in Los Angeles and we were in Budapest already. And we talked about the lenses and Denis had very specific, as did Jared. And Jared was, was really wonderful and collaborative. And he rang me, you know, after a 14 hour day on set, I would then go back to the hotel and speak with him in LA. And we sent him into uh, the the people I usually work with at Vision Care and a a great eye doctor and an effects technician there. But he had a specific person he knew who's visually impaired and he wanted to replicate that. And Denis thought that's a great idea. My challenge was how to get this done via telephone with one appointment in Los Angeles and then hand carrying contact lenses to Budapest. It was it was quite something. We did it. I had a few issues with the contact lenses that are hand painted. Right. There's only a couple of people in the world. Uh, so Christina Patterson, for instance, who paint contact lenses. You know, it's that kind of job you think it's not something you look up in the yellow pages. <laughs> So uh, uh, professional vision care got the process going. We fit Jared. We had two sets of uh, two styles made, but he really wanted to be unable to see. So I had to decide with Jared, can you wear two lenses, which are piggyback? And he was willing to do it. My lens tech who, boy, she really was such a comfort there in Budapest because lenses can be very frightening yeah. and things can go wrong and they do go wrong. Mm. But we had a fantastic Sarah who is actually an eye doctor in Hungary uh, and we did it and it worked and he was unable to see for the duration of of his shooting uh, with limits you know we had three hour maximum he could wear the lenses right you know that that was it but it was effective and and i'm really glad we did it but it it, there were a couple sleepless nights 
yeah. uh, on that. That's for sure. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Right. So what would you say was the most challenging thing on that shoot? You know, I, I think every department have their Achilles heel. There's something that will be a challenge. Going into it, I felt First of all, Anna Joy in the pink makeup. Right, yeah. Which is only there for a minute, but that took a lot of work. Yeah. It was a lot of discussing and how to get the right skin tone and how Roger would light it and what Denise, you know, the concept artist, what they first sent me was very different. It looked a bit, I felt too reminiscent of something from X-Men. Right. uh, Mystique. And it was a bit red rather than pink. And then everyone has a different idea of what pink is. Mm. And and I really rely on Roger to say, are we talking bubblegum pink? Uh, What color is this? And there are so many versions. There I was in Los Angeles buying every possible color of body makeup that we could (laughs) use. And my team, particularly Joe McNeil, who lives in Liverpool, who's worked with me before. And I just thought, Joe, I need you. And she came and worked with me and it worked beautifully in contact lenses as well. Carrie did a great wig. We changed it it was originally pink. Roger felt there wasn't enough contrast. So we changed it to that sort of purpley mauve. Mm. And, and then the body makeup with a little help with lighting. That was a challenge. But really, I would say Ryan's uh, Ryan Gosling's makeup because he's in everything. Yeah. He plays every day. He's beat up. He's dragged through it. You know, it, it looks probably on paper to people as though it's just, you know, dirt and blood and a bit of sweat. But actually, it's it's a lot more than, than, than that, I think. And so many elements where you could go over the top. I would say that was uh, sometimes the things based in reality and the simplest makeups are often the most challenging for consistency and, and realism. Absolutely. I can get that. I mean, that sort of leads us nicely on to the other movie, which uh, okay. couldn't really be further away from Blade Runner, which is Stronger, uh, right. which is the real-life story of Jeff Bauman, who uh, it's not a story that's particularly well-known, I don't think, in the UK, but he was he was uh, basically had his, had his legs blown off in the um, Boston Marathon that's right. bombing. That's right. Um, and also ID'd one of the terrorists as well, didn't he? So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite fascinating story and this is uh jake gyllenhaal the brilliant tatiana maslany who anybody that's listened to us on the show know how much we absolutely adore tatiana and uh, miranda richardson as well yes so does the fact that it's being that the show that the movie is based on a true story add more pressure because i mean you talk about blade running out of pressure because of the mm-hmm. that because it's right. blade runner but when you're portraying real life characters that must have mm-hmm. pressure as well. I th- you know, I think it does. You know, the wonderful thing, I have a very soft spot for this film. And mm. as you said, Tatiana, Jake, absolutely his best. I yeah. mean, I think he is the most collaborative person I have ever worked with by far. And, you know, I work well with so many people, but I really do feel strongly about it because there's so many elements of Stronger. It's not, to me, it's not really about the Boston bombing. It is, but on many levels, it people in any country in any place could relate to is the post-traumatic. I never understood post-traumatic. I really never understood it. And I do, I, you know, I've had some experience personally, but working with Jake and 
everybody on that film was different because we had such a small crew and very limited funds and not really a, a, a driven film with lots of resources. But I worked very practically with a small crew. I researched carefully. I looked at all the photographs and the footage, but it had to be unbelievably respectful. And Jeff Bauman, I, I just brings tear to my eyes. He is such an incredible man. When I met him and to see Jake work with him and become friends with him and Miranda turned up and I've always been such a fan of her since Dance with a Stranger <laughs> and Tatiana who I went to, to visit in Toronto on her set everyone really really wanted to work on this film and I thought that meant a lot and we just everyone just lets you do what you do and I thought that was great uh, uh, Jake was just fantastic. And we did, uh, I, I called my friends at Autonomous Effects to say, I need some help. We're not a huge film. We've got a life cast, Jake, and three different positions. Work with the visual effects who will erase the, the legs. But what I did know right away doing a camera test with Jake was that this was not about the Boston Marathon bombing, mm. uh, more so as it was a, a, a relationship and a love story. And this very humorous, quite funny aspects of it <laughs> that we really related to very well. And it was just a, a joy to work on. Yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting story having sort of read bits and pieces about it, knowing that I was coming on to talk to you. I, yeah, I'm, I'm quite fascinated to see the film. You obviously you know the one of the big things with uh jeff you know the character that jake's playing is is the amputations sure do you want to talk a little bit about how you went about doing that well so we knew looking at it i had a, a conference call initially with david gordon green with uh uh, Sonia Marquez, a visual effects producer, Jake, our first AD. We had a very, a couple of very concise meetings that what it came down to was how much would be makeup and how much was visual effects. Mm. The visual effects really is, is the marriage of makeup and visual effects was a, a very strong process in this film. And I think this became more us working to help them than the other way around, which right. often happens with CG. They were great. And I rang up autonomous Jason Collins, who's worked with me before and, and asked his advice. And I spoke with the surgeon who, who did the surgery right. on Jeff Bauman. And we worked very closely and we had to do it in a very effective cost effective way. Cause it was, it's an expensive process and mm. it's time consuming. So while Jake and I went to do a contact lens fitting, which was a very important, again, lenses for Jeff. And I think once you see the film, I just thought it was an interesting idea. And Jake ran with it, that there was something about changing his, those distinctive blue Jake Gyllenhaal eyes. Yeah. Um, to get them dark and there's something captivating about it and then i think on the same day we went to autonomous to do three sets of leg casting so that a, a couple of different things could be made one would be a prop kind of suspended as a pair of kind of underpants with the prosthesis of of amputated legs at the knee that would he would be able to put on like a pair of shorts right if you will yeah and then that would be married to the visual effects the application of the the actual leg the stumps only happen for a couple of sequences that are quite key and and without giving anything away for people who've not seen the film it is quite jolting and startling and there were also some very clever 
you know, the bed has, you know, a place to put his legs and then put these stumps over Jake's thighs and then sits, you know, appropriately. Very old Hollywood, you know, techniques mm. to, to sell it. The, the wheelchair had to be, there were a couple of wheelchairs that were remade with the props department to accommodate Jake being able to hide his legs right. uh, and then green stockings, et cetera. But it was quite a process between, I would say, really uh, props, makeup, uh, visual effects, a, a real marriage and a real collaboration of four or five departments and the time. Because we had once we had the, the approval to go ahead, I really only had sort of three or four weeks to get everything ready. And then the big finale of, of for us, which was the last couple of days of shooting where the bombing actually takes place. We had a lot of time to prep and Jason could try a couple of tests to show our director. Mm -hmm. But it was quite a process on a very short period of time. Yeah, it's an amazing thing to do, particularly on such a small budget for, for that. So, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll ask you the same question again that I asked you about the last movie. What was the most challenging thing for, for this film for you? I would say, obviously, the, the marathon in keeping that realistic and respect there were people working on the film, which I never forgot for a minute, who were involved, who were there, who right. witnessed it. And I think that made it a very human thing for all of us. And Jake spoke beautifully the day we shot that sequence. We filmed it just outside of Boston. I remember it kind of brought me to tears because Jake and the director spoke to the entire cast and company to remind everybody of, you know, we're also playing with people's incredible post-traumatic stress mm -hmm. and the recreation of this could be very painful for people. That moved me tremendously. I think it was a challenge from my department who really stepped up. I mean, Jason Collins and Nikki, uh, Stephanie, everyone who came out and worked recreating the, the injuries that we did. I think that was a huge challenge that weighed on me for the run of the film. And when the surgeon had and the nurses, I, I'd say prepping Jake's makeup for the first time we see him when Tatiana comes to the hospital, I wasn't sure if I was going overboard. When the nurses who looked after Jeff, who make appearances in the film, right. said, Donald, you know, that makeup is really accurate. That's what it looks like. Uh, the morphine and, and pain and all of that. I, I was so relieved that I was doing justice to this character. Yeah. And I would say those would be the biggest challenges. Miranda actually was, it took a minute because Miranda is so beautiful. <laughs> this incredible, you know, uh, peaches and cream complexion and Miranda turning up and thought, oh my God, what do we do with her? Uh, <laughs> we've got to age her and make her look like she smokes two packs of cigarettes a day. <laughs> you know, that takes people, I, I don't think I always realize. And, and, you know, the makeup took a second to establish and, yeah. and her look. And of course, Tatiana, who is also beautiful, mm -hmm. uh, she was great because I she had asked me what I thought we should do. And my feeling was the hair and makeup should be indicative or or mirror what's happening to Jake. Yeah, OK. And there was a, a sort of parallel that worked well, I think. So there were a couple of quite a few challenges uh, for all of us. Yeah, it's, it sounds like a really uh, fascinating film. I will make sure I get to go and see Please. that. <laughs> when Please it, do. I'd love to hear what you think. Yeah. So we've been on for nearly half an hour. I've uh, got a couple of final questions, which sure, we sure. always ask people. Because we cover a lot of TV on the site. I know you mainly work in film, but we cover a lot of TV shows on the site. So the first question we always ask is, uh, what 
TV shows are you watching at the moment? Well, you know, I miss being in the UK because I am a TV junkie. <laughs> I will admit it. Um, I work so many hours that, you know, when I get back to a hotel, as I am here in Atlanta, and you do get a bit lonely and it's it's a hard life sometimes. I love, now no judgment. I love Gogglebox. <laughs> I love Gogglebox. <laughs> I cannot tell you. Um, what else am I watching? Uh, I'm watching the new Tracy Ullman. Oh, yes. Because her, her oh. impersonation of Nicola Sturgeon, you know, <laughs> my mom and dad are from the UK, from Scotland. Right. It makes me laugh so much. Um <laughs> I'm watching that, uh, but I would say Gogglebox. When I'm in London, when I went back last year for something, it's really embarrassing. But I admit it. I mean, I'll stay in <laughs> to watch a couple of things. And if Gogglebox, and I used to quite like one out of ten cats. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, uh, nine. Is it nine out of ten cats. Yeah, I know the way you mean. Nine, yeah. nine, nine out, out of ten. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Eight out of ten cats. Yeah, it just it, it's clever. You know, we don't. It, it's clever and it's witty, and there's just something. Yeah. Uh, the Crown. I was watching, binge watching this summer. London Spy. Ben Wishaw. Yeah, yeah. Just riveting. Yeah, riveting. What else have I watched? I think that probably about it for for the moment. There's not a lot of time. And uh, I know, you, as I say, you work mainly in film. But if you had the opportunity to work on one TV show past present or future so it can be something that's already aired what show would it be oh you're killing me here <laughs> oh there's some great te- there really are some great television programs out there yeah i secretly secretly would love to i don't know coronation street <laughs> awesome <laughs> Because I think knowing, you know, what goes into it and how the characterizations are are depicted, yeah. it's so clever. And people who are not in the industry would go, would just believe it. But we all know, I mean, that is staged. And those characters, especially the older ones, yeah. I think it's pretty fantastic. Um <laughs> And I've followed it off and on whenever I can. Um, there's been so many over the years, but I would say more based in reality tends to be something yeah. I would be more keen. Any of the period stuff, but certainly real life seems to really get my attention. Yeah, well, that's a, a great one to finish on, I think. So <laughs> so okay. I should let you get back to your, your day. Thank you for coming on and spending a bit of time. It's been... Uh, Thank you for having me. It's really been great. Thanks yeah, so much. It's been really fun. Uh, hopefully we're, you know, next time you're you're releasing a movie or maybe come on and talk again. I All would right. love to. Thanks so much. All right. Have Th- a wonderful afternoon. Bye-bye. Okay. Thank you. Bye. 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 So that was the interview with Donald. Hope you really enjoyed that. Next, we've got some highlights for next week on TV. Highlights for next week. We've actually got a few, there's not many shows coming back because we are in the middle of December, but there are a few quite big shows coming back. Uh, Mozart in the Jungle, which is back for its fourth season on Amazon Prime, which is not a show I've ever watched, but um, I know, I'm <laughs> sure there will be some people out there that are really happy about that. Well, if it's got to full season, somebody has been watching it. So. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, yeah. should point out as well, all the, almost all of these are, are uh, streaming services as well. The Grand Tour, that's back for its second season on the 8th of December. Um, I, I really enjoyed the first season of that. They're three idiots, but it's quite entertaining. <laughs> They're quite entertaining idiots to watch. Um, yeah. They are going to have guests on this season, apparently, as well, oh, and, not, cool. and not kill 
them off every week. They are actually going to have guests on every, every week because they've, I think that is probably because they're actually in one permanent location. They're not traveling around the world. Before, beside the fact it's called the Grand Tour, they've basically pitched the tent basically <laughs> near Jeremy's house, I believe. Oh, wow. <laughs> so okay. uh, they've pitched the tent and uh, in one place and means everybody can come to them again. So, um, so they've been doing that. But uh, 8th of December, that is back for its second season. The Crown over on Netflix is back for its second season. That's on the 8th as well. So they're sort of going up against each other. Very much looking forward to this. It's got the uh, man from Dexter. He's, uh, he's joining as JFK this season. So uh, that should be quite interesting. I don't know whether you've have you watched any of these. Uh, no, I've not, not seen The Crown. That's another one well worth sticking on your list. Very good. Uh, but yeah, thoroughly enjoyed the first season of that, so I'm looking forward to that coming back. And sort of out of nowhere, the uh, the next one, uh, Chicago Fire Season 6 is starting on Sky Living on the 12th of December at 9pm. And uh, yeah, they don't seem to have made any noise about this. They're basically running it straight on from Season 5 rather than holding it over to the summer, which is what they used to do. Okay. So um, it's it's carrying on. Of course, it means that none of the crossovers will still work because despite the fact that Chicago Med is running at the moment and Chicago Fire is now running, Chicago PD is nowhere to be seen and will probably arrive next summer. <laughs> so um, so in this now syncs up with Chicago Med, but doesn't sync up with Chicago PD anymore. So the, to the, do they all like crossover and stuff? Like Apparently that? so, yes. It, I don't watch them, but I, with okay. one of the biggest complaints we always get is the fact that they don't cross over, or that the, the crossovers don't match up at all. So you end up with seeing two thirds of an, what is essentially one big episode, because they'll have crossovers that jump from Fire to Med to PD. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and some of them even cross over with Laura in order which is again on a different channel so it's uh it's it's ridiculous they they jump between all all the different shows and uh none of them match up because in the us they're all on one channel in the uk they're all on four different channels that's back on the 12th of december at 9 p.m and manhunt unibomber the first season of that um or the first season of the series manhunt which is subtitled unibomber if that makes sense uh, that's coming to netflix on the 12th of december as well this we we actually interviewed the production designer behind this a few weeks ago if you go back a couple of episodes you can hear him talking about the show you can now actually see it because it's coming onto netflix it's uh stars paul bettany who plays vision in the and has been in various things but plays it currently he's playing Vision in uh, the MCU, and Sam Worthington from the oh. Avatar franchises. It stars the two of them. It's about the Unibomber, which, uh, if you don't know the American history, was a uh, a guy who took to blowing up government buildings back in the, I want to say 80s, might have been late 70s. And uh, he was completely meticulous, lived completely off the grid, so nobody could ever find him. And uh, it took like ages for them to actually catch him up. And it's about the, uh, I think... Uh, Paul Bettany plays the Unibomber and Sam Worthington plays the agent that's chasing him. So it's it's all based on real history. It's a sort of documentary style. I think it was it was either History Channel or National Geographic that made it. But uh, but yes, so I've been really looking forward to seeing this now because they went into a ridiculous amount of meticulous detail to recreate the cabin and stuff, which is where he was eventually found and stuff. So it, it's a really, uh, really fascinating show. I'm sure that will be. So that's one to watch out for. But it's Manhunt Unibomber. Is that like a fictional sort of reimagining of what no, might have like happened? No, or is it a documentary? It's, no, no, it's not a documentary on it. It is, yes, it is a fictional reimagining. It's a dramatic retelling, I would say, okay. probably. So it's it's based in the 
historical fact. I mean, I don't know whether they've taken any license with it. I suspect... I mean, there may be some license taken with it, but it is based on... It's one of these things that is based in, almost entirely on the historical record of it. You know, there there may be some things that they've tightened up here and there, but it is based in uh, entirely on the historical record of the incident. Okay. So uh, I think that would be one worth watching, but that's Manhunter Unabomber. That's uh, season, season one of Manhunter. I'm assuming the next season will be Manhunt something else, and uh, that's on Netflix on the 12th of December. That's everything think for this week unless you've got anything else you want to add in matt yeah i just wanted to say that the uh the, the annual uh game awards hosted by jeff Keeley are coming up soon i can't remember the exact dates it's around like the 6th or the 10th of uh, december and then there's the uh paris not paris games week the psx so like the playstation experience so it's another one of their kind of conference type things that, that's happening um i heard that this one isn't actually a conference it's more like a, a speech type thing but i don't know that much more about it so th- those are uh, coming up towards the end of the year so uh, look out for those as well oh yes if you're into gaming uh, definitely with, with the um, Game Awards go on Google if you literally just type in Game Awards votes it will come up straight away you can click on whatever category you want and uh, vote in there and I think you can vote every day so you can literally go and vote for the same game every day uh, and you, you don't that have doesn't to seem very fair <laughs> yeah but uh, yeah, I, I don't think you need like an email or anything you can literally just like click on it and say confirm vote so uh Go and do that if you want to participate. Yes, for uh, for Matt, you can also go and find him over at entertainmenttalk.org. For us, obviously, we've got the uh, we've got the Geek Town Awards running at the moment. That uh, geektown.co.uk forward slash awards. If you want to go and enter that, there is a humongous prize which uh, I won't play out at the moment. But there is a humongous prize of <laughs> seven hundred and fifty pounds plus a runner-up prize which is worth at least two hundred and fifty pounds. I keep on finding things to add into it as well that I've forgotten about <laughs> so it's actually got slightly bigger than the photos that are on the website there is that on the on the website go and vote because you're in, a, in with a good chance of winning there is some very interesting results coming out of that as well which I mm. won't go into but there are some very intriguing things coming up that's everything for this week for all the latest air dates and news and to enter the Geek Town Awards go to geektown.co.uk if you want to get in touch with your questions and comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram at geektown uk that's everything we shall see you next week bye-bye bye-bye catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 